Pearl, Chapter 6.1, The Trackers. The two walked and found the rutted sandy road that led through the brushy country towards Loreto. Kino could feel the blown sand against his ankles, and he was glad, for he knew there would be no tracks. Some ancient thing stirred in Kino. Through his fear of dark and the devils that haunt the night, there came a rush of exhilaration. Some animal thing was moving in him so that he was cautious and wary and dangerous. Some ancient thing out of the past of his people was alive in him. At first dawn, Kino searched the roadside for a covert to lie in during the day. He found his place near to the road, a little clearing where deer might have lain. Juana and the baby relaxed and Kino went back to the road, broke a branch, and carefully swept the footprints where they had turned from the roadway and returned to Juana. The hot sun beat on the earth so that Kino and Juana moved into the lacy shade of the brush. In the heat of the day, Kino relaxed and covered his eyes with his hat and wrapped his blanket about his face to keep the flies off and he slept. But Juana did not sleep. She sat quiet as a stone and her face was quiet. Her mouth was still swollen where Kino had struck her and big flies buzzed around the cut on her chin. Kino stirred in a dream, and he cried out in a guttural voice, and his hand moved in symbolic fighting. And then he moaned and sat up suddenly, his eyes wide and his nostrils flaring. What is the matter? Juana asked. I don't know. He stood up, then, silently and crouched low, he threaded his way through the brush towards the road, and then he saw them moving along. In the distance, he could see three figures, two on foot and one on horseback. They were the trackers. They could follow the trail of a big horn sheep in the stone mountains. They were as sensitive as hounds. In a country where there was little game, they managed to live because of their ability to hunt, and they were hunting him. Behind them on a horse was a dark man, his nose covered with a blanket, and across his saddle, a rifle gleamed in the sun. For a long moment, the trackers bent over the road, and then they moved on slowly, studying the ground ahead of them and the horseman moved after them. They would be back, Kino knew. There was a panic in Kino now, a panic of flight. The trackers would find his trail, he knew it. There was no escape, except in flight. He edged back to the place where Juana was. Come, he said, we will go into the mountains. Maybe we can lose them in the mountains. They hurried to the west towards the high stone mountains through the tangle of undergrowth. This was panic flight. Kino did not try to conceal his passage. He trotted, kicking the stones, knocking the telltale leaves from the little trees. But ahead were the naked granite mountains, rising out of erosion, rubble, and standing monolithic against the sky. And Kino ran for the high place, as nearly all animals do when they are pursued. This land was waterless, and horned toads watched the family go by and turned their little pivoting dragon heads. The singeing heat lay over this desert country, and ahead the stone mountains looked cool and welcoming, and Kino fled. Soon along the road the trackers would become aware that they had missed the path, come back and find the place where Kino and Juana had rested. From there it would be easy for them. These little stones, the fallen leaves and the whip branches, the scuffed places where a foot had slipped. Oh, the music of evil sang aloud in Kino's head now, secret and poisonous, the pounding of his heart gave it undertone and rhythm. Kino had put a little distance between his family and the trackers. 
Now on the first rise he rested. Juana had squatted in the shade of the boulder. She raised her bottle of water to Coyotico's lips. His little dried tongue sucked greedily at it. Above them, there were long outcroppings of granite with deep crevices between. He knew that wherever the trackers lost this path, they must circle and lose time before they found it again. And so he did not go straight for the mountains anymore. He moved in zigzags, and sometimes he cut back to the south and left a sign and then went toward the mountains over Bearstone again. The sun was getting low and Kino set his direction for a dark and shadowy cleft in the range. If there were any water at all, it would be here. And if there were any passage through the smooth stone range, it would be by the same deep cleft. It had its dangers, for the trackers would think of it too, but the empty water bottle did not let that consideration enter. And as the sun lowered, Kino and Juana struggled wearily up the steep slope towards the cleft. High in the Greystone Mountains, under a frowning peak, a little spring bubbled out of a rupture in the stone. The animals from miles around came to drink from the little pools, and the wild sheep and the deer, the pumas and raccoons and the mice all came to drink. Everything that loved water came to these few shallow places. The cats took their prey there and strewed feathers and lapped water through their bloody teeth. The little pools were places of life because of the water, and places of killing because of the water too. The lowest step where the stream collected before it tumbled down a hundred feet and disappeared into the rubbly desert was a little platform of stone and sand. The freshets had made a small sandy beach through which the pool flowed, and bright green watercress grew in the damp sand. The beach was cut and scarred and padded by the feet of animals that had come to drink and to hunt. They came utterly weary to the pool, and Juana slumped to her knees and first washed Coyotito's face, and then filled her bottle and gave him a drink. Kino drank long and thirstily at the pool. Then he got to his feet and went to the edge of the step where the water slipped over, and he searched the distance carefully. His eyes set on a point, and he became rigid. Far down the slope, he could see the two trackers. They were little more than dots or scurrying ants, and behind them, a larger ant. Juana had turned to look at him, and she saw his back stiffen. How far? she asked quietly. They will be here by evening, said Kino. He looked up the long, steep chimney of the cleft where the water came down. He slipped off his sandals and clambered up to them. Gripping the bare stone with his toes, and he looked into the shallow caves. Kino crawled into the largest one and lay down, and knew that he could not be seen from the outside. Quickly, he went back to Wana. You must go up there. Perhaps they will not find us there, he said. When they start climbing, he said, we'll slip away, down to the lowlands again. I am afraid only that the baby may cry. You must see that he does not cry. He will not cry, he knows, said Wana. 